Alright everybody, welcome back. In this episode we're taking Lamentations chapter 4. The punishment of the daughter of Zion. Let's just take the first two verses. The dimmed gold of Zion. Verse 1. How the gold has become dim. How changed the fine gold. The stones of the sanctuary are scattered at the head of every street. The precious sons of Zion, valuable as fine gold, how they are regarded as clay pots, the work of the hands of the potter. So Jeremiah lamented the loss of the precious sons of Zion, who were valuable as fine gold. The best and the brightest were all taken from Judah and Jerusalem, and only the poorest and least able were left behind. And so the generation lost to Babylon would never be as valued. So, you know, they wouldn't be as valued there as they would be in Jerusalem. They were as cheap and lowly regarded as clay pots. Verse 3 through 5. The cruelty of Zion's deprivation. Verse 3. Even the jackals present their beasts to nurse their young, but the daughter of my people is cruel, like ostriches in the wilderness. The tongue of the infant clings to the roof of its mouth for thirst, but the young children ask for bread, but no one breaks it for them. Those who ate delicacies are desolate in the streets. Those who are brought up in scarlet embrace ash heaps. So Jeremiah lamented the cruelty of those exiled and those that were remaining. They seemed worse than the jackals and more like the ostriches in the wilderness who were thought to be very cruel to their young. Even so, the young children of Judah ask for bread and no one breaks it for them. Um, so the pathetic scenes of young children begging for, you know, in vain for food seems to have etched themselves deeply in the mind of the author who must have witnessed the events described here in the first two dirges. And no one was safe from the judgment that came upon Jerusalem, and those that were once high were brought very low. It's a pity that any child of God washed in Christ's blood should um, bettable his scarlet robe in the stinking guzzle of the words dunghill, that anyone who has hereto soared as an eagle should now creep to the ground as a beetle, or wallow as a swine in the mire of sensuality. Right? Verse 6. The greatness of Zion's punishment. The punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of sin in Saddam, which was overthrown in a moment with no hand to help her. So Jeremiah is pointing to the iniquity of God's people as you know why there's the destruction of Jerusalem. In Ezekiel chapter 16, at verses 48 and 49, the prophet said that the sin of Jerusalem was worse than that of Sodom. Right? You'll remember Sodom and Gomorrah. That's pretty bad. And so here we learned that her punishment would also be greater in one way that it was to be more prolonged and agonizing as opposed to Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment. So he thinks the punishment of Jerusalem is far greater than that of Sodom that was destroyed in a moment while her inhabitants were in health and strength. Jerusalem fell by the most lingering calamities, her men partly destroyed by the sword and partly by the famine. All right, verse 7 through 10, the stricken people of Zion. Verse 7. Her Nazarites were brighter than snow and whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies, like sapphire in their appearance. Now their appearance is blacker than soot, and they go unrecognized in the streets. Their skin clings to their bones. It has become as dry as wood. Those slain by the sword are better off than those who die of hunger. For these pine away, stricken for lack of the fruits of the field. The hands of the compassionate woman have cooked their own children. They became food for them in the destruction of the daughter of my people. Right. So at one time, spiritual devotion of those in Jerusalem was an adornment to the city, like sapphire in their appearance. 
Yet after this calamity fell upon Jerusalem, their appearance was blacker than soot. And most all commentators agree that Nazarites is not a reference to those that took the vow of a Nazarite according to Numbers chapter 6 verses 1 through 21, and instead it refers to leaders or notable people. So persons that were nobly or ingenuously bred, the word Nezer signifies a crown or a sign of honor in 2 Kings chapter 1 verse 10 and 2 Kings chapter 11 verse 12. The name Nazarite was given to persons splendid for their bleeding and education or honor and dignity. It is given to Joseph in Genesis 49 verse 26. We translate it separate from his brethren. In Deuteronomy 33 verse 16, so Nahum in chapter 3 verse 17, her Nazarites in this place signify her separated ones who either in respect of birth, education, estate, places of magistry, or the like were distinguished from the rest of the people. And so Jeremiah explains why Jerusalem's agony was worse than what fell upon Sodom. Zion's destruction came slowly with hunger so badly that the hands of the compassionate women have cooked their own children. <clears throat> Verse 11 through 13, the Lord's fury against the sins of his people. Verse 11, the Lord has fulfilled his fury. He has poured out his fierce anger. He kindled a fire in Zion and it has devoured its foundations. The kings of the earth and all inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. Because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests, who shed in her midst the blood of the just. So Jeremiah thought of Jerusalem and Judah completely devastated and um, could see the fierce anger of God fulfilled upon Zion. It was so great that the kings of the earth would not have believed that the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. And the doom of Zion was especially appropriate given the sins of their spiritual leaders. Among other sins, they murdered faithful prophets and people of God. Right? The prophets and priests who ought to have been proclaiming the covenant ideals in the nation were actually the responsible agents for perpetuating much of the iniquity so characteristic of the pre-exile life. And these most wretched beings, under the pretense of zeal for a true religion, persecuted the genuine prophets, priests, and people of God, and they caused their blood to be shed in the midst of the city in the most open and public manner, exactly as the murderous priests, the bloodthirsty preachers under the reign of Queen, you know, bloody Queen Mary did in England. And so Ezekiel 22 verses 1 through 12 will show that the concept of bloodshed was far wider than murder or homicide. All that cut at the roots of society or that deprived men of their own land and livelihood shortened their lives and so was bloodshed. Priests and prophet contributed positively and negatively, positively by advocating or condoning such behavior, negatively by failing to condemn those who wronged their fellow men. All right, verse 14 through 17, scattered by the face of the Lord. They wandered blind in the streets. They have defiled themselves with blood. So that no one would touch their garments, they cried out to them, Go away unclean. Go away, go away. Do not touch us. When they fled and wandered, those among the nations said, They shall no longer dwell here. The face of the Lord scattered them. He no longer regards them. The people do not respect the priests, nor show favor to the elders. Still our eyes failed us, watching vainly for our help. In our watching we watched for a nation that could not save us. So Jeremiah pictured the people of Jerusalem wandering blind through the streets, stepping on dead bodies, and therefore defiling themselves. And as God scattered his people from Jerusalem, they were not welcome in other places. The nation said to these wandering refugees, they can no longer dwell here. 
And God did not regard his people with favor because of sins such as these. Yet, as Jeremiah told us in Lamentations chapter 4, verse 13, it was the sins of the priests and the prophets that invited this lack of respect. Judah's false prophets and political leaders put their trust in Egypt to rescue them from the Babylonians. They watched vainly for help. And uh, let's take verses 18 through 20, pursued by the enemies of God's people. Verse 18, they tracked our steps so that we could not walk in our streets. Our end was near, our days were over, for our end had come. Our pursuers were swifter than the eagles of the heavens. They pursued us on the mountains and lay in wait for us in the wilderness. The breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord, was caught in their pits, of whom we said under his shadow, we shall live among the nations. So when Jerusalem was finally conquered and occupied by the Babylonians, the Jewish citizens had very little freedom. They were soon prepared for exile to Babylon. And Jeremiah had long prophesied that the Babylonians would conquer Jerusalem and Judah. Finally, the time had come and their days were over. The Babylonians pursued any who tried to escape. This included their king Zedekiah, who tried to escape but was captured in Jeremiah 52 verses 5 through 11. And the people of Jerusalem regarded Zedekiah as the anointed of the Lord and hoped that under his shadow we shall live among the nations. The hope was bitterly disappointed. And Zedekiah was a weak and treacherous individual who condoned the religious corruption and moral degeneracy of the time and generally ignored the advice you know, offered up by Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 37, except on occasions of grave crisis. He's kind of one of those kings that whoever got to him last, that was the opinion he carried out. All right, verse 21 and 22, the judgment coming to Edom. Verse 21, Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who dwell in the land of Uz. The cup shall also pass over to you, and you shall become drunk and make yourself naked. The punishment of your iniquity is accomplished, O daughter of Zion. He will no longer send you into captivity. He will punish your iniquity. O daughter of Edom, he will uncover your sins. So Jeremiah sarcastically spoke to Edom, who was happy when their neighbors Jerusalem and Judah were conquered. In the land of Uz, whether or not this territory is identical with that regarded as the homeland of Job is unknown, since, however, Uz seems to have been consistently accessible both to Sabian Bedouin from Arabia and the Chaldean invaders from Mesopotamia in Job's chapter 1, verses 15 and 17. So it would appear to have been located in the general area of Edom. And as Edom has found happiness in Zion's misery, so they would drink the cup of judgment from the hand of the Babylonians. And there's little doubt that the Edomites who knew the routes and crossings helped the Babylonians here. And this is why verse 21 and 22 turn against Edom. Uh, In this sense, God was finished with his great judgment against Jerusalem and the punishment of Edom was yet to come. God was soon undercover, you know, was going to uncover their sins. So when sin is pardoned, it is said to be covered. Here God says he will not cover the sins of Edom. He he will not pardon them. They're going to drink the cup of wrath. Okay, judgment is coming. And that's chapter 4. Thank you for joining me.